Hello and welcome back to another episode of the IFC's When Destiny Calls podcast. My name is James Malamas. We've got a great episode for you. We join Dr. Lahab Al-Samurai and Chrissy Foster again, this time to talk about the little deaths. It's a great discussion. We can't wait for you to hear it. If you enjoy the IFC's When Destiny Calls podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcast. So without any further ado, Dr. Al-Samurai, take it away. Welcome back to another episode of the Institute for Conflicts, um, When Destiny Calls. I am Dr. Lahab El-Samurai, and with me today, as always, uh, Christy Foster, my co-host extraordinaire. Christy, how are you doing today? Oh, thank you, Dr. Lahab. I'm doing, I'm doing very well. I, this morning I was in the shower, and I um, really have such a gratitude today for the simple things like my house, my food, as things are happening in the world, I, I sat there and I thought, you know, I have everything to be grateful for mm. the simplest things. So I'm doing very well. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. Gratitude, uh, gratitude for waking up every morning. Yeah. Having a safe place to get up to having a cup of coffee and being able to talk to a friend. So yeah. I am grateful and um, for having you as my co-host on this, on this journey, not podcast, because it is a journey. We've been all over the place. We keep traveling. So today we thought we kind of travel we're going to talk about the archetypes what we'd like to talk about also is death and transformation the symbol of death because it's very complicated and a lot of people are very reactive when we start talking about death because um several people many people think that death is the end that when death occurs there are no more beginnings and so um, we'd like to explore that a little bit today with all of you. One of the things that I'd like to start out with, Christy, is um, death and beginning are two archetypes. There are archetypal structures of um, the way the universe moves. Mm -hmm. And death and beginning are... Um, But let me restate that. Death and beginning are one archetype. There are two different poles on the same archetype. One is ending and one is starting. So one is on one extreme and the other is on the other extreme. So as an archetypal energy moves, death and beginnings always occur simultaneously. Whenever something fades, something is born. Now, maybe they're twin archetypes. Maybe they're not bipolar archetypes. Maybe they're twin archetypes. That would be an interesting thing to think about. Are they separate? Are they one? Because what happens is, is that the, when something dies, we think that it's over for that something. But that's never the case. Nothing just dies. There's a transformational process to death. If you lose a parent or you lose a sibling or you lose a, uh, 
family member or a friend or acquaintance, um, their death is not their end. You still have their stories. You still have their deeds. You still have their words. You still have um, that connection that was made with them that transformed you. Um, what do you think, Christy? I think that I like how you've placed that as they're both on the same, it's the same archetype at different spectrums. Um, because I was, this is a different example of that. I was talking to a person the other day and they had in their mind experience to death through leaving uh, their faith. And, and based on their faith, that death would represent in the afterlife that they would not be able to um, really have a good afterlife. And so we were talking about that uh, the parallels of what death is by leaving and what is rebirth by leaving as well, because she's coming into a different, a different way to experience um, her own rebirth, her own identity, and um, how frightening it is, because I think death can be frightening if, um, if we only understand it one way. And that can be with someone passing or not, or a relationship, a, a religion. Uh, death looks many ways. And I think the more, and I'm excited about this conversation because the more information we can have to understand it on a much larger scale, I think the less fear people have about the idea of death. Well, I like the example you use. So your example is of a person who loses their religion or loses their so religion is connected to a community and that community is connected to a group and that group is connected to people and that those people um, are connected to the relationships that I have within that community, within that religion and what that means for me. And so when I walk out of that community, that group, that religion, there is a there is a huge death. Yeah, because um, I've basically have ended this part of my relationship with that particular group or religion, and they happen to be in this case um, the same the group and the religion are connected. So do I keep my friends? Do I lose my friends? How do I move in the world now that I don't have this thing that I've always had? So that's a huge death, right? So we've lo- that's loss. So when we think of death, we also think of loss. What is loss? Loss is when I something was connected to me and now it's not connected to me anymore. So that's loss. And so we talk about small death, like little deaths, 
Lutadasa, ending of a relationship, ending of a friendship, ending of a business relationship, ending of a, um, your physical prowess, ending of a, your you hurt your you hurt your hand and you were very gifted with your hands end of that gift um, it could be the end of the um, a career all of these are small deaths all of these transform us in a lot of ways and that's where Christy if, uh, I'm thinking of that's where beginnings take place because as soon as you leave that space, something changes. And thank God it does. Yes. It's an, it is a new birth. And I think that <clears throat> this is how my brain works. I do think that our soul is here for a specific purpose and sometimes those deaths are required for us to tap into what that purpose is. Mm. Because otherwise, I don't know if we would push ourselves enough because it is change is uncomfortable. And I think growth within our um, within our soul is extremely uncomfortable. Mm. And though, so is birthing a child. Mm. It's it's one of those things that that's how I relate that when I'm working with clients is. Um, and I would say, especially with women that have had children, that is what I'm referring to right there is, you know, when you have a baby that it's going to be painful, mm. it's going to be messy. Sometimes you tear, sometimes, um, it's not what you planned. Oftentimes it's not what you planned mm. because we're not really in charge of how that happens mm. as much as we think we are. And I think that's the same with um, how our soul needs to push out of the boundaries of what we try to restrain it with and leaving and having small deaths, like leaving a religion is one of the only ways to push us to, to start to excavate our inner world and what, and who are we outside of that tribal system and the identity of what they're telling us we are, because I remember when I first left the religion that I grew up in, um, that search has really gotten me to where I am today to find a different identity. And I, I st I'm still part of that in some way, but it isn't the same. Mm. So the loss happened and yet, and yet it's still part of me and it always will be. Mm. So it's, it's difficult, and I think it's part of our soul growth. I really do. Yeah, it's very interesting. Uh, the example you used, which is a beautiful example of death and transformation. The death of the identity of the single woman who is now um, um, carrying child. She is no longer a single woman. She is now carrying a child. So she had, now she is part of this relationship with this child. And after um, raising this child for nine months within herself, she gives birth to this child. And with the um, expulsion of that child from the body, another death occurs. 
the death of separation. Um, yeah. The death that uh, has to occur for this child to be born in the world, um, a death has to occur um, for the child to, for the woman to carry the child, a death has to occur. The death of her old identity as um, single, as somebody who is without child, now she has given birth to a child. So transformation has occurred. Now the baby's expulsion from the, uh, this woman's body creates a new beginning for this creature. But this baby has also experienced the death, the death of the loss of the womb. So not only is she experiencing these small deaths, they're going on around everybody. The child is experiencing the death. If there's a partner in the picture, whether he or she are also experiencing a death, <laughs> a death of what used to be their relationship with this person. And now there's two people involved. So suddenly that relationship of the dyad has become a triad. And if they have twins, suddenly there's four of them. So if they have more than two, which we've seen over and over again, then there's like five or six of them. So this, this encapsulates how from the beginning of our existence, death is very intertwined. It's very intimate for us. Death is the first thing that occurs. Death is uh, something has to die. And Young says something has to die for something to grow. Because there's no room. And yeah. universe and creation is efficient. So creation creates something from something else. That's how creation works. You take something and you change its form and then you ha have created something new. You take, uh, you, uh, you take a tree, you cut it down and you cut it up and then you have a house. You take a tree and you cut it down and then you break it up and then you have fire. You take a tree, but whatever you've done to the tree, you've done to the earth. And whatever you've done to the earth, you've done to yourself. Mm -hmm. This is why, this is why trashing this planet is a problem because you're trashing yourself always. Yeah. Whatever death you're causing in the world, that death is affecting you as much as anything else. And that's why we talk about being nice, um, being generous, being caring, being loving, because um, everybody around us is experiencing some form of loss, of change. And the more sensitive we are to that change, um, the more connected we are to the vibrations of the world we live in. Yeah. I have a good example of that. Yeah. It happened yesterday. Um, a client came in and 
she was a new client, so I hadn't seen her. So that's part of this. And that she was telling me, um, what started out, she was, she had a little bit of a cracked voice, mm. not much, but some, and I had noticed she had quite a bit of tension in her thoracic area. So around, around the diaphragm and the rib cage. And I asked her, I said, do you have any heartburn? Cause usually that will correspond together because it's right over your stomach. Mm. She said, no, the doctor asked me the same thing that I didn't have. Um, I've never had heartburn. And so we talked about that. And I said, well, I said, sometimes our voice changes when there's changes in relationships when we're not able to express something that it can get stuck in the body. And then it literally changes the voice because there's so much energy stuck that isn't moving because you're not expressing what's happening. And she began to tell me about her husband having prostate cancer and what that's done to their relationship. And he's Mm. getting older and he's not remembering. And so she was, as she was telling me that it, it is that death process of what was, Mm. what he used to be what their relationship used to be and it for her it was difficult to express the frustration that she felt with that Mm. because that part of their relationship is dying yeah not only the sexual part but the the communication part because he can't remember yeah well so it changes the relationship yeah, and it, it changes, it, changes it dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, the, what's interesting to think about is that she has continuously been going through changes and small deaths all through her existence. Yeah. You know, when you are no longer in kindergarten and when you're in first grade, you've graduated, but there's a death. There's a death of kindergarten and there's a birth of first grade. And that is a continual process that you go through. School is an easy example because we see it every year you go to a different grade. You get to learn something different. You get to learn something new and novel. You get to feel more confident about how you're moving in the world. Um, You're no longer um, naive to some things in the world. You know, when your naivete dies, that's a death. And then what happens? We're born with uh, knowing or understanding or, um, and then we wish for our naivete to come back because we didn't really actually wanted that consciousness that we had. Death occurs over and over again. In trauma, death occurs in um, several ways and several dramatic and life-altering ways. And that's why trauma has to be treated because the death that occurs is a repetition of things to come because it's an echo. It's not a, um, we talked about it as a glitch. We've talked about it as a shattering, as an explosion to consciousness, as a overwhelming sense of being overtaken. Uh, by something that um, is incomprehensible. And so I think what you're saying, Christy, is that you're, um, people are trying to make sense out of what it means Mm -hmm. uh, for 
these little deaths. Um, they're preparing you ultimately for the big death, which is uh, your physical self not being here on this planet. But Mother Nature is, is quite um, beautiful in the way it prepares you. It shows it to you over and over again. It doesn't, it doesn't throw you in there right away. It shows it to you over and over again, different ways. You see this? You see how this works? You see this? You see this is how it works? You see this? Are you ready for this? Are you, are you seeing this? Have you seen this? Are you ready for this? Because this is going to happen. Right? It's not sugarcoating it for you for sure. It is definitely pushing you ahead. As, we, as you age, you start to know that, you know, suddenly the countdown towards the end is a lot closer than the countdown that you used to think about closer to the beginning. Oh, I'm 18. Oh, I'm 19. Oh, I'm 20. Oh, shit. I'm 60. Oh, no, I'm 70. Oh, shit. I'll be 85 next year. Oh, you're closer to the end. And so that's, that's, uh, Christy, you were saying? Well, I think it's when someone ages, you're close to the end. You're close to the end of, I think, something different. Yes. I don't think you're at the end of, you're in not, you're not going to exist. No, as a physical entity, you end. Yes. Like every animal on this planet, as a physical entity, you end. The transformation continues because mother nature has shown you over and over again, nothing ends. That's, That's a great lesson. That's the lesson it's been trying to teach you all along, right? There is no real end. And I would hope that that's an inspiration for people to um, continue to heal their trauma and to take a few more risks in life because you're always be you're always being given another opportunity and sometimes I think it's easy to get stuck in um in a story or a loop of why you can't do something because of the fear of the death and then and then you don't live yeah you don't you don't try anything new because you scared you're scared you might die This is the other interesting part. If you choose to be afraid of the process of life and death, you end up neither enjoying your life or going through your death. You don't change and you don't live. No. Because you're trying, and this is what we call avoidance, right? We, we're trying to avoid the eventuality that occurs to us all. Yeah. It's like, oh, I don't want to get older. Well, that's tough because we all get older. That's how it works. Um, but you couldn't understand the process of transformation without transforming yourself. Yeah. The more you transform, the closer you are to the transformative process, the more you understand it the closer you are to the archetypal energy. Well, and it, that's helpful. I, I know for me to understand, and I, I explain that to people in that, um, 
And aging is a big thing. People are afraid of that. And though um, you're moving into, you're moving into wisdom, you're moving into a, a sovereign archetype, truly that all your experience in your life matters. Because what I see and hear is that people hit a certain age and what comes out of their mouth is, well, it doesn't matter. I'm too old. I don't matter. I'm too old. And I think that's so backwards because those are the people that matter the most because of the wisdom that they keep if they will embody their wisdom versus holding on to the story and then not living the last 20 years of their life. Mm. which happens too much it happens too much well it's it's anger with the story because we you have not understood the transformational aspect of existence the transformational aspect of existence is that everything that we experience is fleeting it's here today it's gone tomorrow it's fleeting Mm -hmm. it's because this is how creation is it's like watching the sky I sit and watch the the skyline over Seattle and I see it change over and over and over and over again. In seconds and minutes and nanoseconds, I see it change, it changes. But it's symbolic of all processes that we go through all the time that we're not conscious of. So when I'm staring at the sky, I know that we are constantly changing, that nothing is static, that transformation is occurring all the time, and that when the sun comes out, or when the moon comes out, or when the clouds come in, or when the light reflects from the sun onto the clouds, and we have different colors, and so on and so forth. So I know from observing Mother Nature, that I am constantly transforming, that I am not staying the same. Even though I think, well, I've just been sitting here for five hours. It doesn't matter. Five hours is five hours of change. Yeah. You know, as you get closer to the week, you say, oh, so what does your week look like for you? Well, for me, it looks like it's fast. (laughs) that's the way I look at my week. I look at the week and say, oops, it's over. And then it starts over again. And then it's over again. But I've noticed how, so one of the interesting things is as you are younger, time seems to move slower. Mm -hmm. Everything takes a lot longer. That's because your experience of consciousness is much more limited. Your awareness of time is very limited. You are not really aware of time. But as you start to look around, as you age, you start to realize that time is fleeting, that you are aging, that you are atrophying at an incredible rate. Is uh, you get up one morning and you're trying to stand on your ankle, your ankle's not having it. It's like, oh, it was fine yesterday. Um, 
we are changing, we are transforming, right? Like your client and her husband, mm -hmm. their relationship is changing and transforming as much as the past is changing and transforming. Their past, their present is changing and transforming all the time. So what causes the angst in humans is thinking that it should stay the same. Well, it's destabilizing to the animal, to this, um, to this avatar, to this carcass, to this um, skin suit. It is scary to think that I am like a bug. My life cycle is not really that long. Right. I, am like, I am like the three dogs that I had before me. I will eventually die. Even though I have three dogs, sooner or later, my time will come too. You know, we talk about, we talk about other creatures dying very quickly. And we start to look at ourselves. We're actually, we're decaying pretty quickly all the time. You could tell because, you know, it's like you shed skin, you shed hair, um, the color of the hair changes, um, the, uh, the body changes, the muscle tone changes, the, um, your stance changes, and might look the same. It always looks like an echo in time. It's a picture that has an echo from the beginning the first echo, the first echo is the beginning, right? It's the first time you screamed out, you yelled. Yeah. You know, you start the hero's journey. That was where the hero starts. The hero starts by birth because they have to go through death. And this so Joseph if, Campbell. Yes, that is a very good book. Yeah. So Joseph yeah. Campbell says that our first, our first um, slaying of the dragon is being born. The first time we start our hero's journey, the first time we are heroes, that we're born alive. A lot of kids are not born alive. There's a lot of children that die. So that is the first task. That is the first kind of overwhelming. You're saying, Christine? Well, as you're, as you're speaking, what comes to my mind is what's, mm, how's, what's the most helpful thing for, uh, for people to be able to grasp that and live more, live more in the present moment. So they're not stuck in, stuck in time is probably of what could have been or should have been or what might be. And then we lose the essence of, of exactly where we're at. Well, yeah. I mean, so if you're stuck, if you're stuck in the past, you're, um, you don't see your future. So you're not seeing any possibilities of what could be. No. And if you're stuck daydreaming about the future, you never really enjoy your past. 
And from that, how could people more enjoy that present moment or and, even get in there? And if you are in the future, you're also, and if you're living in the future or living in the past, you are not in the present. And the mm. present is the only observational chair that you should be using. We always talk about balance and the in-between. The in-between is the present. The present helps you make sense of what comes in the future and what's happened in the past. But you have to be able to sit in the present. Which can be very um, disruptive, I think. And, for and anxiety provoking. Yeah. Because sitting in the present saying, okay, yeah, I'm aging, but sitting in the present means that I am conscious of what is here in the present. My relationships in the present, my friendships in the present, my connections in the present, what I'm doing in the present. It gives meaning where, because the way we're talking is very interesting, but a lot of people will sit there and go, well, then you're saying that there's no point to it. Mm. Being conscious and present in today, in this moment, in this podcast, at this second, is what we talk about as living, as creating. If we can't do that, then the taste of the everyday becomes stale, bitter, and therefore you cannot enjoy what you see. You cannot enjoy where you are. You can't be thankful. You can't have gratitude because you're looking somewhere else. You're not in this reality. In this reality, it's right now, this moment, me and Christy having a conversation. And your reality is when you're listening to this conversation and reflecting on what we're saying. That would be your present moment in your reality. Our present moment is right now. So your present moment is never the other person's present moment. Exactly. Creation is tricky. Well, and I think we recreate, when I work with people, um, it's a good example of teaching, teaching them how to be in the present moment literally is as simple as having them like relax their toes. Yes. Because pe so the See, pattern. You say that because I curl my toes when I start talking and then I, I feel uh, the cramping after I am done with the podcast. I would and just release them as you said that. I just released them just before you said, keep going. About the toes. Well, the toes represent in the body, the, the thinking mind. Yeah. So if, if that tends to be you and you, and you clench your toes when you're sitting, when you're working, a lot of people will clench when they're standing. 
the tendency is to be in your mind more than your body, which Mm. is coming out of the present moment. So to just practice, to notice what, what are your patterns? Yeah. What are your patterns? Some people, instead of clenching, will raise their toes when they're anxious Mm. or raise their toes when they're uncomfortable. And they tend to be more of a flight personality Mm. uh, and leave their bodies where you're clenching you're holding on tighter. Yeah. And it's helpful to notice your patterns so you can reconnect in the present moment, literally with your flesh. Yeah. That's what we're in. We're not in our brains. We're in a body that all of our systems are working. Yeah. The clenching is hurting my big toe. So I'm trying not to do it. I'm trying to be more mindful not to do it because it's called uh, causes irritation. Yeah. And it, it does take you out of your body. Yeah. And, and that's one of those amazing little um, tricks to bring you back in. Yeah. And I also think it helps people have more sovereignty because I, my experience is that people don't feel like they have sovereignty. They don't feel like they can do anything about whatever that is outside of them. When really the simplicity of understanding that you are sovereign what you do with your body is you and no one has um, no one is telling you to clench. No one is telling you to um, tighten up. It's a response to. So as you start to get your sovereignty and notice in the present moment that you might be clenching your, your butt or your legs or your toes, that gives you power. And that is the power of choice, which in the present moment helps us expand yeah helps us with self-esteem because we actually have a choice in something which is us and that's profound when it has to do with accessing your power and how you're going to move in the world in that power yes very important in this process of life and death, because even unclenching your toe is really a tiny death of letting go of your mind. Yes. It's another example of that. Yes. And the idea that you're in control of it and you can relax it, that settles your nervous system and brings you back into the present moment again and again through the day. Yeah, it's it's the it's the balance, it's the seesawing, and trying to hold the balance of the teeter totter as you go back and forth. Yeah, you're always trying to get to a point where you're homostasis. You're always trying to get to the point of balance, where everything is working the way you should, where life is functioning the way you should. It's a juggling act. You're walking the high wire. There's a Always. reason we're fascinated by the high wire and we're re- there's a reason we're so fascinated by um, the crossing on the high wire. And if anybody's seen um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's movie where he crosses, he plays a famous French um, daredevil who wanted to cross the high wires in between um, I think it was uh, in New York. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's very interesting. Well, yeah. So he's uh, um, he's a magician, and he wants to show something where other people think is impossible is very possible, where you could walk in the middle of the world, above the world, mm. and yeah. So it's all about how they, um, the movie is all about how they're calculating the math that was going into it, uh, the wind speed, which day they would do it. <coughs> Excuse me. But because of this, um, this is how he connected to life. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I can. I can see that. And I think that it is that simple in our everyday existence. It's simple in that we can notice and observe ourselves more often on that high wire. What are we going to choose? Yes. Because I think when we believe we don't have a choice, that's when we fall off. And that's when we're most dangerous. Yeah, we're reacting. Yeah. Isn't that what you mean? The most dangerous is when you're in a reactive state and you're not in your balanced state, in your centered state, in your integrated oh. state in your calm state, in your peaceful state. When we talk about calm and peaceful states, it means that you are within your skin. You're not disassociated, you're not disconnected, you're not projecting yourself out there. You're in your skin. Mm -hmm. well, that could only be maintained for so long during the day. It's very difficult, right? Yeah. But when you are doing something, when you are doing a task that's important to you, for us, uh, this podcast, um, the important part is to stay connected to what we're talking to in the present. Yeah. Not what we talked about in the past, but the present. Even though we might have talked about it in the past, it's not the same. We're not talking about the same thing. We're talking about death, but the small deaths that make us who we are. Every small death that you go through makes you who you are. The more sophisticated you are means that you are conscious of all those small deaths. And therefore, you're able to integrate them and individuate. And that's why you're sophisticated. You're sophisticated because you were able not to disassociate from the experience. So yeah. as people get healthier emotionally, those small deaths could look like what? Um, achievements. Mm. Milestones. Building so blocks. They become different because then it's not like I, um, I want to stay in high school. It's like high school was a building block to what I achieved today. 
everything is interconnected. With the, what I've noticed is, Christy, with people is that they live in different time periods. So that for them, if they're, they were awoken during college, they live in the college years. They talk about how great the college years were. Mm. If they felt like they were part of a family and they felt connected um, to a group, they talk about high school. Yeah, they that's do. Where, that's where you know, I found myself. That's where I became more than I was. So you start to, you start to see people who are stuck in different phases of their life. And the reason is, is they became conscious of it and then um, they didn't want to let it go. They didn't want to experience the little death that has to occur for them to move forward. And therefore, they continue to hold on. And so they don't live in the present. They don't live in what we need to be conscious of our days because they make our days better. Yeah. There's a funny story. It makes me think of, um, I think it was last year. I took a couple of my aunts. My mom has eight sisters and a couple of my aunts to see my mom. And they were having a conversation about something. And all three of them were saying, well, well, my mom said this. And my mom said that about what to do. And when I came in, it was, it was an interesting conversation. I said, well, okay. And your mom's dead. So what do you do now? Because that, that part of being stuck, even in the story of what was like, that's a good example of um, what are you still attaching to and not moving out of because that's the acceptance that she's gone and the acceptance also that it requires you to make a new step. And stop believing what the past, that the past is true, which is that death is difficult. And I think it's essential for your own mental wellness and physical health to Ooh. let things die Ooh. and let old ways die and old beliefs die that tend to hold you and bind you from ever moving forward because of whatever reason that might be. Mm-hmm. And we talk about those in terms of letting go, moving forward, moving on. It's holding on and moving on are also on the same, they sit on the same line, holding on and moving on. You can't really hold on. You have to move on. But you can become static, and that's what it feels like to hold on. Yeah, static is a good word. Yeah. And I think that's where people really do get sick. I think it starts to deplete their immune system because of the energetics in that. Because it's trauma, right, Christine? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's it costs us more to not 
work through that and allow it to die, whatever yeah. that is. It becomes too expensive the older we get. Yes, because time is not on our side. It's not a luxury that we have. No. Although time has nothing to do with our existence at the same time. Yeah, that's a mind bender. Yeah, because we don't, we don't really exist in time. We exist in our heads. Mm -hmm. We think we exist in time, but in the unconscious, we, time doesn't really exist. Past, present, and uh, past, present, and uh, future exist in one. So in the dream, you see yourself as a five-year-old who knows what you know now, but is stuck in a situation where they can't get out of because they're five. Yeah. Even though they know what you know now. So past, present, and future all collide in one point. And then you're stuck in that point trying to figure out, well, how do I get out of this point? Why am I listening to these people? I'm not five. But you are, you are five as well as you are 50 or 75 or 85 or 10 or 20. All the states that we go through as we age are a part of us. And therefore those stages that are part of us exist within us. And we know this from trauma because if part of us is traumatized at a certain place, we have to go back to fix that part. We have to go back to heal that wound. Otherwise the trauma doesn't heal because the consciousness was not disrupted when you were 32. The consciousness was disrupted when you were six. The consciousness of the six-year-old and the 32-year-old might as well be two different oceans one made out of metal and the other one made out of acid. They don't mix. They don't exist in the same space and time. If we start thinking of time. You have how, to would people, how would people identify? How would, how would they recognize when that child is the one that's, that's being activated? So they, can be aware that there might be a piece that needs to be healed. If you were traumatized at age 10, your child is 10. So remember yourself when you were 10. Is that the year you got a bike? Is that the year you got a kite? Is that the year you got a Game Boy? What is it that you got during that year? That's an easy way to try to recollect what happened that year? If you're really into school, you could try to recollect uh, your class that year. The more you try to recollect from that point, then you know where you're stuck. That's how, would, how would you know that you're stuck, Dr. Lahab? Because you were traumatized at age 10. And how, how would that show up in the adult life so you could recognize that it's repeating? Uh, insecurity, uh, fear, uh, anger, irritation, 
Um, the insecurity goes back to the child who was traumatized. So you know, because it's the insecurity of the 11 year old, that's what you're dealing with. And only the only way to see it is to know what you're dealing with. Because once you're dealing with it, you don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. But once you're conscious that this was the 11 year old that was traumatized, you can start to talk to him or her like they're 11. Because that's the child that needs to join the party. That's the mm -hmm. child that's not part of it. So each part of ourselves that we show to the world in different parts, even though if somebody was taking a picture of us from day one to the day that we pass away, all those pictures are going to look similar because physically we age, but we have the same characteristics. What does change is that if that child's gone through severe trauma, you can start to tell that they don't look the same. That right. as they age, they look completely different. Why does that happen? Because there's trauma. And trauma changes us. It changes the way we appear. It changes the way we age. It changes the way we anticipate um, a fight and flight responses because we're constantly turned into a mechanism of... Um, of an alarm that can't be shut off. And basically, so that, that's what's occurring all the time. And that's why you have to go back to that child and work out what that child, um, what happened to that child. If we can't work out what happened to the 11 year old, I can't help the 50 year old. Right. Because the 50 year old is not being disturbed by the 50-year-old. It's the 11-year-old who's disturbing the 50-year-old. That's the, that's the treatment. The treatment is to get back to the 11-year-old to figure out, okay, how can we bring you in? How can we make you a part of this person's present? Mm -hmm. How can she bring you back into the fold without you? continually screaming, you left me, you didn't protect me. And usually you're not screaming at the person, you're not screaming at yourself. You're screaming in your head. It's when the trauma occurred. There's a great line, uh, uh, classic, you might say. Um, Jesus is on the cross and he says, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? I am, I am your son. So the question is, is that who's forsaken who? Mm -hmm. Symbolically, Jesus is God.
so how is this forsaken? Because the 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 person we cry to is the self. Myung believed that the projection of the self on a grand scale is God. When all people sit there and like start staring at the sky and chanting or praying or bowing or suddenly that group has created a psychic entity called God because they're projecting their psychic entities as one towards this other invisible psychic entity, which is archetypal. Yeah. So we started out with death and the small deaths that we experience all the time. Trauma is not a small death. Trauma is a death. It's a big death that occurs over and over again in very small ways. The small deaths we're talking about are transitional deaths. Life-altering deaths. Trauma is a big life-altering event. <clears throat> it's the earthquake that separates two pieces of a continent. That's what the trauma is. And that's why it has to be healed. Because healing the trauma ultimately liberates us so we no longer feel the internal death of the trauma. It's that the lingering of that trauma, that death, because it's unresolved. It's an unresolved death. I referred to it before as a glitch. It's an unresolved death. It should have died then and there. It didn't, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. And that's where death and beginnings collide, is within the trauma. Because the beginning can't start because the death hasn't ended. Mm, that's profound. So healing trauma, allowing it to pass, that part can end. That yeah. reoccurring yeah. torture. Because it is torture. Yeah, it's being freed up. It's being freed to live again. Yeah. By putting the trauma to an end, by integrating it, by removing those pieces of it that make no coherent sense and putting them together to make coherence out of them so we can move past it. The psyche can't make sense of it. The psyche can't move past it. No, it can't. And then your body pays dearly. Always. Always the body pays. It does. With that, we wanted to thank you for joining us today, as always. 
Uh, Christy, any last thoughts on today's topic? I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, just as a reminder for people uh, to please feel free to ask questions, send us questions about any topic that you might like to hear more about and or if you have questions about trauma, Dr. Lahab is obviously an expert in that arena. Please utilize us as a resource to um, learn more and ask questions that you might have. Yes, definitely. Please do ask us questions. We'd love to reply to our listeners' questions. We also have a very special guest coming up um, to talk about. This is our first guest on this podcast, so we're very excited to have her. Um, and we're going to take a different twist, but we're going to stay within the theme because it is the archetypal patterns in the end that we recognize um, that give us meaning in the world. The more we recognize patterns, the more we recognize archetypal patterns, the more connected we are to the way the world works, the more the world makes sense, uh, our existence makes sense, as much as it can make sense. Yeah, and it takes, I think that takes pressure off to understand patterns and be aware. Absolutely. Less confusion. All right. We will talk to you very, very soon. Thank you for being with us. This is When Destiny Calls. I am Dr. Lahab El Samurai. This is Christy Foster. And we will talk to you and see you next week. Thank you for tuning into this episode of When Destiny Calls. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Christy and Dr. Al Samurai. We'd also like to thank Christy for taking the time to join us. You can also find us on YouTube at the Institute for Conflict. Make sure to also check out the JAMP Training Institute's Magician's Call podcast. Tuning in next time to the IFC's One Destiny Calls podcast for another episode soon.